This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. This podcast is proudly in association with HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a subscription-based meal kit company that delivers amazing recipes straight to your door. On the app, you'll be able to choose your weekly recipes to meal plan your week. They deliver fresh ingredients straight to your door to make the recipes that have carefully been selected. With step-by-step recipe cards, there's no need to be a chef to cook delicious meals. You have full flexibility on what meals you get and when you get them. It's easy to add extra portions, change recipes, modify your delivery time or pause your deliveries. We are also delighted to offer a 60% discount to West Ham fans on the first box and then a 25% discount on the following two months when you use the code West Ham Way in capital letters. So download the HelloFresh app or visit the website www.hellofresh.co.uk forward slash West Ham Way to get these delicious, easy to make meals sent straight to your door. Hello Fresh, dinner is solved. You're listening to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi oi! Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself, Dave Walker, an XWHU employee. What a disastrous turnout at the London Stadium against Arsenal. We try to make sense of what happened, who's to blame, fans walking out early, a winless 2024 and what David Moyes does next before getting news from X and answering questions from Patreons of the West Ham Way. a frustrating day at the London Stadium a game that could have gone either way I'm sure you'll agree <laughs> um, in, in, all, in all seriousness I wish I could use the word frustrating but I think humiliating is a better fit from your perspective mate what the fucking hell happened yesterday oh just right out of blinder didn't they unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, oh, it's just an absolute disaster I mean bar the first maybe five ten minutes we just weren't in it at all just didn't look interested lack of motivation the minute the first goal goes in all the heads drop no desire no passion players out of position just everything really I mean what 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 positives can you take for us from a 6-0 defeat I mean the only positive you can take is not all teams are as good as Arsenal I guess but literally there's no there's no positives to take from our performance at all yesterday I can't I can't even try to think of anything well, I think the one excuse that's often put towards West Ham when we have a shit performance on a Sunday is that we played on a Thursday. Mm. But we haven't got that excuse to hide behind this time. So I was really scratching my head. Yes, we can blow smoke up Arsenal's arse. I'm not going to do that. They're a good side. Um, and they're not the best side on the planet, but they are a good side. We've already beaten them twice this season, including away from home, which produced a much better performance. But I, I don't... It, it's the strangest thing. I don't know. I mean, I look at the game and I think, what was the plan? Same old one-dimensional approach. What are you doing? It's a fucking woodwork there, mate. 
<laughs> Did you hear that? I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, I thought I was doing it Saturday. I was scratching something off the monitor. Finished off sorry. the conversion. Well, you do that, and I'll, I'll try and make sense of it. It's how, in- how interested I am in the game. Yesterday, I started doing <laughs> DIY for the first time in my life. You know? <laughs> so, first time for everything. You know? At least that's one positive to come out of it, maybe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah true. Very true. But I, do you know what, though? I, I, I have to say, and I, this is the point I was making, it does always seem to be the same plan. And I think when he is referred to as a dinosaur, some people say that's a bit harsh and what, what do people specifically mean? Possibly a one-trick pony is a fair assessment of David Moyes because it, just, it does always seem to me, like regardless of whether we play Luton at home or Man City away, we have the same game plan, the same philosophy all the time. And he plays the same way. And I think it's so painfully predictable that teams like Arsenal will come to West Ham and know how to play. The other problem that we had, of course, is that we're playing a counter-attacking system with only two attacking players in the side. I mean, for me, we were never going to win that game yesterday, ever. I mean, I don't think any of us could call fucking 6-0, but I I, I just didn't see a win from West Ham yesterday. But, look, it was was painful to watch. Um, A lot of people in their thousands were leaving before half-time. Do you agree with that? Um, they paid their money, I guess. It's their entitlement to go and, and like, whenever they choose. It's very hard. You know, when you're 4-0 down at half-time to Arsenal, to see any form of, you know, positive result coming out of that, I think the the commute home is never great for a lot of people. Um, you know, myself included, and I've probably got one of the easier ones. But, um, yeah, it's, it's very hard to sit there and see your team getting spanked and humiliated and the real negativity and then think, well, if I went a bit earlier, I'm going to get home at a decent hour and maybe have the rest of the Sunday with the family. So I do understand why people left. I mean... Uh, there is the, you know, if it was, I would have thought if it was a lot closer, um, or maybe 2 0 at half time, it wouldn't have been that way. But 4 0, you know, you're never going to come back from that against a poor team, let alone against Arsenal. So I, I can kind of understand this. I don't like people that leave early all the time from every game, no matter what the score is. I've got issues with that. But I think in this circumstance, given how poor it was, I, I can't really criticise, to be fair. Mm. Um, I'm interested to get your take on this because I'm not sure you will agree, but a lot of people have said that a result like this has been a long time coming. Do you Mm. agree with that? Um, it's hard to sort of know exactly what that means. I mean, obviously, you know, of course, there are people are saying that we've been so poor, a battering was around the corner, maybe, but you can't really predict those things. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, we haven't played well for a while, so the fact that a good team has came and destroyed us isn't actually as surprising as you know you would think it is it's it's something that we um that we probably were walking into um yeah i can see why people said that it's like i say it's hard to it's hard to take a positive i mean he's got with the same team that lost three new against manchester united and all right that team played quite well despite the scoreline at Old Trafford you know it still it does beg the question a little bit if you've lost 3-0 in the previous game why are you going with the same same team and then um, yeah which, I don't know it's, I find it so hard to talk about mate because it's just really hard to sort of say anything positive about it yeah do you know what it's, it's actually really hard to assess this because I, mm. whilst I didn't expect West Ham to get anything from the game yesterday I, I just I couldn't believe what I was seeing and I'm and I'm finding it difficult to ask questions around it and even give some sort of informed opinion because the, the thing that confuses me more than anything was the way the players approached the game no one was running no one was working for each other no one seemed to care and again in recent years we've used the excuse of oh the boys look tired because they played on Thursday but we haven't had that I'm I'm just genuinely confused. Yes, we can say we had a really good team come to London Stadium and, and absolutely pummelous, but you know the fact of the matter is we made it so easy for them. Mm-hmm. If you look at the little pockets of play and the, and the build up to their goals, and there's no point in assessing every goal they scored as a separate fucking podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it 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 was it was just pure laziness and incompetency. 
And I, I don't know what's been worked on since the Man United game, what the plan is, what levels of motivation Moyes is putting into those players. Because I have seen constant abuse towards David Moyes because of that result, and it massively falls on him. But I do think the players have to take a lot of accountability as well. And mm. I think David Moyes has alluded to that in his post-match interview, by the way. He kind mm. of threw them under a bit of a bus. And on the one hand, I've said, you know, publicly, I'm not the biggest fan of, of sort of naming and shaming players. I don't think he did that. I think he spoke to them as a collective. And actually, as well as himself, and I think, I think he's taken ownership um, of the defeat. I think he was right to, to, to pick them out again, like he did, because that was just shambolic. And you've got yeah. those fans that are going to London Stadium and walking out at half time. And yeah, they are well within their rights to do that. Because, you know, you, you, you go to watch a game of football, but if you see 11 players that look like they literally could not give a fuck and you're on your way to an embarrassment, why, sh- why should you say, do you know what, fuck it? If you ain't even going to begin to turn up, why should I fucking spend the rest of my day away from my family home watching 11 players that don't give a shit? You know, that's mm. led by a manager that's that's just frustrating to watch because, again, you know, you look at what he done tactically, David Moyes, and we can talk about, okay, he didn't have four nails to bring on, he didn't have Ben Rama to bring on, but he's brought on, essentially, three defensive-minded players. Mm. And, and one thing I don't understand, right, is... When it comes to David Moyes' style of playing, his philosophy, it's not everyone's cup of tea, right? And, and it isn't mine. We all want to be entertained, yada, yada, yada. And yes, of course, we will suffer watching this style of play if we get results, because ultimately that's what leads to winning competitions, qualifying for Europe, etc. But for me, I, I, I'm looking at a defensive-minded manager that's sacrificing the entertaining aspects of football to be hard to beat and to focus primarily on the defensive aspect of the game, but he's conceded nine goals in two fucking games. What's mm. the point of, of installing a philosophy like that if you're not going to achieve the one thing you're setting out to achieve? But mm. then this comes back to him being a one-trick pony ex because I can't see him changing it, can you? Uh, no, but I think he. I think he will have to. <laughs> he said he's going to sit down and investigate what went on. So he's going to have to do something. He can't keep turning out the same team every week. I mean, uh, and they're producing results like that. I mean, it was, as you say, defensively it was so poor. You know, set pieces, no mark, not proper marking, no command of the area by anyone. There's no leadership out there. Uh, there's no fight from certain players it's it's just so disjointed that he's going to have to change it because if he doesn't change it this will just continue to happen results like that um, and I think it's a collective responsibility I think all three stakeholders have to take a huge um, amount of responsibility for that performance the ultimate buck well the, the initial buck sorry starts with the players with the lack of effort from some poor performances all round lack of commitment and then you go next step up with the manager picked them and, and didn't motivate them and, and then like you said bring on defensive players when you're losing including a left back that doesn't want to be at the club and has made that clear even though he's been a great servant of the club um, at, at the expense of a young lad that can play in the same position as him no yeah. logic to that at all when the team's already beaten might as well just stick on the skulls and give him some experience and you might even be able to get one tiny positive out of it if he comes on and plays well for 20 minutes or at least that's something um, as opposed to sticking on a 33 year old left back that's going to go at the end of the season you know it's, it's just decisions like that that really baffle me um, and then the other black is with the the board and, and not bringing in players. I mean, again, we found ourselves in a position where, you know, all right, we were the form was stuttering a bit, but going into January, well, it wasn't actually going into January. Going into January, the, the form was good. You know, we'd just beat an Arsenal at the end of December. So if we'd recruited in January, the left winger or forward one or it's definitely two preferably and had those two players in the club things would have felt differently but again we've got ourselves into a good position good decent bit of form and then just not recruited and we've just stuck with what we've got and got rid of two players that can play in the position that we actually need um, and brought in someone in a position that we don't need and the, the recruitment's just just stupid you know we're on the brink of 
potentially be able to challenge for Champions League qualification either through winning the Europa League or getting fifth spot and now we're not backing on to that the money you spend in January would be far outweighed by having uh, entrance into the Champions League so it's so short-sighted and it's just a collective thing and I think you know this really poor performance yesterday they're just going to have to come back and get a result against Nottingham Forest they, they can't go to Nottingham Forest now and lose that game they put in all the you know they have to turn it around it has to be you know it really should be a win if we're going to achieve anything you could probably take a draw but even that I'm not sure is good enough they need to go there for the win and hope that we get a good result and then things that will hopefully be the platform to try and kick back on again with Paqueta and Antonio not far off as well but this yeah so that is very hard to critique yesterday's performance and I love our job where we spend our life talking about West Ham but when those results happen and you're getting tagged into posts as if it's your own fault that these results happen um, it does make doing podcasts like this hard Mm. Is that why you spend a lot of time on a show Soaring Wood as a form of escapism? Yeah, I think so, mate. Yeah, I mean, that. Yeah. Oh, you were, it wasn't actually Soaring Wood. I was soaring off my limbs just for a bit, <laughs> just for a bit of fun. Yeah, exactly. Two fingers and one arm down, you know. So at least it's something to do. I'm going to talk about that game. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 very hard to talk about, and um, it must be very hard to think about if you're the likes of Maxwell Cornet. I mean, again, we're speaking yeah. about him, mm. and we're talking about in January we should have identified a, a, an attacking left winger, mm. um, and we've let Ben Rama go, who plays in that position. For now's can play in that position, but again, you know, if you're Maxwell Cornet and you're sitting there and you're watching mm. defensive changes being made when you're four or five mm. down. And yeah. is it any surprise that Mabama is hesitant to sign a new deal? Yeah. And why does Ben Johnson not want to sign a new deal when he's getting a run out now? You know, is it any wonder that other academy players are worried about a route into the first team? And this is the bigger picture as well for me, X, because I'm talking about the fringe players here, but how do first team players feel about playing this fucking boring, negative, gutless style of play? I mean, Aguerd, I think publicly was one of the players that wasn't the happiest and fuck me he's a defender I mean if you're yeah. if you're a defender playing in a defensive team you should be in your element because that's what you're going to be doing for 85% of the fucking game yeah, he sort his own performances out he does but sorry God yeah but then what does the likes of Kudas think of it Paqueta mm-hmm. Bowen players that want to play how yeah. long do we keep these players? Yes, Jared Bowen signed a long-term deal, but we know that all that does is protect West Ham from getting a, a, a shit fee for the player. You know, mm. if he wants to leave, he'll leave. But the point is, you know, we've got these fantastic players. Why, week after week after week, regardless of who we fucking play against, are we using them on a part-time basis? Mm. I mean, in, in game, that is what we're doing. We're using them for explosive moments rather than to control the game and take the game on the front foot. And it, it's just, it's a frustration that's never going to go away for me yeah I mean I understand completely what you're saying about Cornet and Ings the biggest surprise for me was neither of them have really well certain Cornet's chart uh, case sorry he's not had the chance but Ings and Cornet have never done anything really since they have signed combined fee of almost 30 million I think for both of them they've been stuck on the bench doing very little they both start against Sheffield United away what two weeks ago now is it whatever it was both of them put in their best performances that they've put in for the club Cornet scores I mean it wasn't the greatest performance but he scored a goal and Ings it was his best performance and then immediately they dropped and barely seen again and this for me is another big criticism of the manager because that if you if you've got those players the best time to try and get them to turn their form around as if they've just done well the previous game so keep them in and you never know I'm not saying I'm, it would have happened but you never know Cornet might have scored again or Ings might have played well again and then soon you've got an option there which you haven't got but you've almost reset the button on that form now because since that Sheffield United game the, the neither of them have barely been on the pitch so you might as well not bother them playing one against Sheffield United because it's too far away now for them to be able to think well you know I played well last week because it was that many weeks ago and, it, and it's, that's frustrating as well when you know you'd, I mean what, like you say what does it say to Cornet you'd rather stick a, a right back at left wing than play an actual 18 million left winger at left wing his natural 
position. Um, and Danny Ings must just think, you know, they'll, they'd rather play Bowen and Kudos and Pakatar and everyone else up front instead of me when I've been England international forward. And I know he's not shown that sort of form since he's been with us, but, you know, it is... It is you know, a concern, and and, and I think the, the, how many fringe players must be getting frustrated, and we saw that with the fact that Ben Rama and Fornells wanted to get out as much as they did. The game against Nottingham Forest, he has to change things. You know, you you got to change things quite dramatically. I would say at least three or four players need to be taken out and and others put in. Hopefully, Antonio will be available for that game so that's one I mean you've got to look at the centre-back partnership you've got to look at the whole of the defence to be fair but <clears throat> particularly the centre-back partnership when you're letting in six goals you know you can't you can't defend that um, and I know Zuma was only on for four of them but still the game before it was those two so you've got to look at that you've got to look at the midfield structure just doesn't work Thomas Suchek again because he touched the ball in 2024 uh, honestly I, I couldn't tell <laughs> yeah, you a time he had it's like honestly the game the, <coughs> the game just completely bypasses him to be fair James Ward-Prowse did absolutely nothing yesterday as well um, and hasn't for a while apart from the score penalties um, so you know the, the whole shape the whole structure the whole team needs really looking at and this is where Moyes if he's going to stay on beyond well certainly the immediate games but definitely into the next seasons he's going to have to earn his money and turn it round now I mean the next the next four games from what I can remember are games that we should be looking to get points from um, you know you got um, Nottingham Forest away you got Brentford at home you got Everton away you know that's three games you could you could argue that I think it's Burnley at home after that and then you got Villa so certainly up to the Villa game those four games are all winnable and he's got to he's got to get positive results in them because if he doesn't season's going to start to spiral into into nothing again yeah, it will do, mate. It will do. He needs those. He needs wins now. He needs. Mm. He needs consistent back-to-back wins as well. He really yeah. does because he hasn't won this year. And and look, I think we're fair to David Moyes on this podcast. We've all got opinions. Some oh, are, more so than anywhere, I think mate. So. Yeah, I mean, when I, I went to pick the patron questions, mate, honestly, it was the most questions we've ever had. And I would say ninety-eight percent alluded to David Moyes had to be sacked, and maybe he does, and maybe he does, but he's not going to be. That's that's the bottom line. And I just don't see going over the same thing over and over and over and over again. He's not going to be sacked. Certainly not at this period of time. You know, it might be towards the end of the season, possibly, but not at this period of time. Yeah. Well, he won't be. That's that's for sure. But what is interesting is that there are kind of behind the scenes talks and rumours that he's not far away from getting a a new deal. And, yeah. you know, I don't know if it's as close as that. See, I, see I, I, I think there are talks that have started. He's even said that himself. I mean, talks have started, but a lot of media outlets were implying that he was going to sign next week or the week after. I don't think that's the case. And certainly this result's not going to help that situation for him. I think the board will make a corner towards the end of the season when we know what our sort of league situation is and what our European situation is and then a decision will be made but I think the board are very aware that the fans are not that a large percentage of the fans aren't happy with the style of football and the way Moyes plays I know that because I've heard it from him so he is aware of that situation and he will have to weigh up whether those fans opinions of the style of football and stuff are worth considering against success if David Moyes brings success or whatever the end of the season outcome is that's what he's going to have to decide yeah and that's why I think it's important to implement fan power in a scenario like this because fan power is powerful at the end Mm. of the day you know it played a part in Sam Allardyce not staying on it's played a part in us not signing players that we're interested in signing in so it is powerful and I think a lot of fans do feel this way not not every fan does but a lot of them do and some boys some are boys in some are boys out I've said before look how sustainable is this style of play when you're consistently playing this one dimensional and predictable way of playing against and yes we can shit house results past clubs that we have done and we often do and that keeps us in and around the top six so we'll suffer it but 
as I've always said, if you're going to play this way and you don't get the results, or worse still, you get fucking pummeled at home like we did yesterday, it's going to get very toxic very quickly. And I can understand that. And I think the Moyes out mob do sometimes get branded as having an agenda. And I do think there are um, aspects of the Moyes out mob that maybe do, but... And, and, and they, you know, maybe don't want to be proven wrong, but I think the same applies to Moyes in people as well. Oh, yeah, I, do, I, I believe this has been a long time coming. I do believe that winning that European competition that he should have won has papered over the cracks. I do believe that having world-class players, yet only ever using them on the counter-attack is gutless. And I do mm-hmm. think we're predictable now. I do think we're boring to watch and we will continue to win games because we have good players. But in my opinion, you know, it, 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 I haven't changed the way I feel about David Moyes in the last two seasons in the sense that I didn't then and I still don't feel like we will reach our full potential <laughs> under David Moyes. The one thing I have come around this season, I think, is is being reluctant to make a song and dance about a bad game or a, a bad patch of form because I don't think anything's going to happen this season. Mm-hmm. So it does almost feel a little bit pointless. Mm-hmm. But as we kind of now approach the 10 to 15 game left mark, you know, I, I do believe that fans that don't want David Moyes are right to be as vocal as possible, are right to walk out if a performance is that fucking bad, because this is part of the evaluation process when Sullivan and Stuyton sit down and say, what is the best way forward in the summer? You know? Yeah, um, I think that's a fair point, mate. And definitely at the moment, <clears throat> there is such divide <clears throat> between the fan base at the moment, you know, it's so, it's so toxic to the point where I can't go near Twitter on a on a match day, particularly if West Ham haven't won. But even if they have won, I find it exactly the same. You've got the fans on there gloating that they're always right about David Moyes and it's the rubbishing of each other's views, which I can't stand. It's every single time, mate. Are you, I could literally say to you, right, I know I'll go on there and this account will be saying this, this account will be saying that, this account will be saying this, or, or I know what's going to, and I know what well, is so predictable. Whatever happens, whether it's a win or, or not, the, 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 each side will say the same thing over and over again. And this is for me where there's a massive problem because the fan base is so divided that the the, the, the hierarchy have to start making a corner. They need to say, listen, we will make a decision on David Moyes' contract at the end of the season or they need to give him a new contract now or they need to sack him. But it's this, this whole limbo state, I think, creates uncertainty and therefore creates the voice of the doubters or the pro people to be stronger and it creates a massive divide because everyone doesn't know what the actual outcome is so they feel like if they like you said now's the time if you want to make your opinions no make it no but people are but that creates this kind of toxic atmosphere that's at the moment and it's draining it's not what supporting football should be about football supporting should be fun and yes the performances and the results are a factor in that and the performances at the moment are not entertaining and they are poor and I'm going to confess I missed a couple of goals yesterday because I was falling asleep and that's not even a joke because <laughs> because, because we were so, because we had such I hadn't been very well the week before obviously we had the event in the morning which is always quite draining um, and I'm sitting there in the sun and you know it's hard to stay awake for the fifth and the sixth goal as they go in and uh, you know so I, I admit and I'm sitting there paying money to basically go to bed um, in, a, in, a, in a glorified way and it's just um, it's just it's just really yeah frustrating and I'm you know, I, I've been tagged into loads of posts again today um, and yesterday from people abusing me for sticking up for Moyes as per as it always happens when the results go bad because tagging me into it is obviously going to solve the, the problem for some people believe um, and and it's and it's tiresome and I think the board have created this situation you know, Moyes wasn't backed properly in January you know you've got Phillips but so like I said it's a position we didn't really need um, although I think it was a good signing I hope it turns out to be a good signing although obviously at the moment the jury's out but it wasn't backed properly um, and 
You know, we're in, a, we're in a bit of a situation here. The manager's not going to go in the next four games. It's in West Ham's best interest to get as maximum points from these next four games as possible. So that's what I'll be hoping happens. And I'll be supporting the team. Um, and then we'll just see see what happens. Um, but yeah, the start, but, the, but every person's opinion is legitimate, either, either side of what you believe. My worry is that we create this sort of toxic atmosphere around the manager's job quite frequently you know you've got to think under Allardyce when things from the outside perspective weren't as bad as West Ham fans are making out we booed him and he cupped his ear to us blah blah blah, blah. Slavin Bilic's form with the fans turned quite quickly you know having been like everyone loving him that season before at the uh, the last season at Bolin, some people wanting him out very quickly at the new stadium. And I'm not saying they're wrong, I'm just saying this is what happened. That obviously Moyes came in, kept us up, and then everyone wanted Moyes out the first time. And then Pellegrini came in, and then we were all delighted to have this, you know, superstar manager. Then we wanted him out quickly. Same with Moyes. And I just worried that what we, as a fan base, are creating to potential managers that might want to come in. Does it mean the new manager comes in, plays four, first four games and wins one of them? Are we going to be on his back? You know, do we then, it's just, it's, I just, I don't know. I find the situation very concerning. It's just hope form turns in these next few games. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Playing devil's advocate, mm. is it a fair argument to say, well, uh, elite level Premier League football, that is football. That's yeah, what a manager should be expected to. If you don't come in and hit the ground running and, and hit certain objectives and do what the fans and the board expect you to do at West Ham United, then that is the way it's going to be. Quite possibly. But then you look at the examples of Manchester United and Chelsea, who recently, for example, who have decided to pretty much have a manager and sack them within a year, have a manager sack them, in, mm. um, and they're no better from where they were at the start of it. You know, it, it's hard to prove, and it's all hypothetical, but are Manchester United any better off now when they first appointed David Moyes and then sacked him after three quarters of a season? Are Chelsea any better off now than when they had Tunchell or whoever they're two free managers was ago probably not and so you know you, it's a difficult one to sort of say is it beneficial to keep getting managers out I think Moyes has got to the point now where if I'm told David Moyes if you tell if you was to tell me how I'm feeling right now and this so this is not taking into account what happens to the rest of the season at this point now if you used to say to me David Moyes is going to be the manager next season and probably be the manager for the next two or three years just based on where we are now I think I would be disappointed I think I would if uh, come by the end of the season again you know we've won the Europa League or we've won the Champions well, we've not won the Champions League sorry qualified for Champions League or we've finished 7th 8th in the league and got close to winning the Conference League you know I'd probably probably could deal with it but at this precise moment I can't and this is the situation we're in it's a very delicate situation right now and we have to get the next appointment right if David Moyes goes we have to get it spawn so that there's progression if we get in another manager I just don't think they'll get the patience needed to turn the team around so the new manager has to be the complete right person and it has and he has to start the ball as you said get the ball rolling straight away yeah, 
Absolutely. And do you know what, though? There's one thing that does really bug me, and, and I'm not having a go at you, by the way. A lot of people do this, is we 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 don't progress in the future because of mistakes we've made in the past. And I, I can't fucking stand that. So it, it, this whole, well, you know, we, 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 we dropped David Moyes before and we shot for the stars with, um, you know, sexy football, Pellegrini, threw big money at him. And look what happened. We're back with David Moyes. So does that mean we should never, ever shoot for the stars again then? Should we never, ever put uh, a, a highly thought of wonder kid from the academy on decent money because we gave Reese Oxford 20 grand a week? You know, it, it, are, we, are we constantly going to be living in the past and, and treading water because of a few things that we tried and, and, and it didn't work? And do you know what? I, I worry sometimes that there's parts of this football club where we regress and, and I can even extend that to some of David Moyes' post-match interviews. You know, the amount of times, and this is getting on my tits now, the amount of times I hear him subtly remind West Ham fans what he's done, rather than talk about the, the bad result he's just had or the future. What he does is he'll make subtle little comments like, well, yeah, you know, but we've been in relegation battles before and I've, I've pulled us out of that and then we've consistently qualified for Europe. Everything is looking back in the past and then he'll say like with a smirk on his face, I've delivered the first trophy for, you know, 40 years or something like that. And whilst he's not wrong, it, it's almost like he's constantly trying to instill this this lifetime debt of gratitude that we should have towards David Moyes. And... And not look into the future. And I think what that does as a backdrop of that is it, it is, it instills a small club mentality and it, and it lacks a winner's mentality. One of the things he said after the game against Arsenal when we just lost 6-0 at home was he said, well, if you'd have offered me three points against Arsenal this season, I'd have taken it. No, Dave, why are you saying that? Why are you saying that? Yes, you've got the three points. And maybe even from a fan's perspective, we'd take that. But you shouldn't be saying that. You're making it sound like we're a, a League Two side in comparison to Arsenal. Yeah. And, but the reason and, he's and I don't doing... like the way we regress all the time. And we, we seem to have this small club mentality about us in certain sections of this club. And I don't like it because we shouldn't. We should have a big club mentality now, a winner's mentality. And there's, there's areas of this club, whether it's the fans, whether it's the owners, whether it's the manager, that that stop us from becoming that big club. And and it's frustrating because we tick a lot of boxes in terms of already being there. But we, we just get held back, I think. I think in, you know, in that situation, and I agree with what you're saying, I do agree with what you're saying, but just take this podcast, for example. Let's be honest, what can he say after a 6 0 defeat at home? To, he, he came out, and to be fair, in the interview afterwards, he, he basically said the players weren't good enough, and he said that he has to take stock of his own situation. So he, he did criticise the, the relevant people, but, yeah. you know, Maybe what else? That. Yeah, maybe, maybe, but you know, I guess he he is fighting for his life in that respect. You know, he is fighting for his job here, and you know, if you he's only sort of when you've lost six new at home, your only kind of defence mechanism that you're going to be able to have is to remind people that you were successful before. You can't say, well, actually, you know, it was a six nil defeat, but I thought the strikers played well, or I thought the keeper had a good game, or whatever, because there was literally no positives to be taken from that. So I'm not saying he's right to do it. I'm just trying to say why he probably would have done it. He's probably trying to say to people, and what he's saying is true. You know, he, West Ham are in a better position since he took over. I admit, he shouldn't keep saying it over and over again what he said about the Arsenal results are true you know if he was to probably say to a West Ham fan at the start of the season you're going to get three points from the two Arsenal games this season would you have taken it bearing in mind they're going to be title contenders and you'd knock them out of the cup as well you would probably take that so he is right but it's like you say it creates a, it's a it's a defence mechanism it does create a bit of a loser's mentality to say yeah. oh well we lost today but never mind because we beat them before I totally get what you're saying I'm not disagreeing with you I'm just all in a way trying to sort of say the logic to Moyes and, and I think sometimes you know not to everyone of course but there was a lot of people that were criticising Moyes when we were even doing well, like, you know, and so I think he's just trying to remind people of where we were, and I'm not saying it's right, but that's, that's why he's done it, just to sort of say, look, guys, <laughs> before I was the manager here, this is what your situation was, so show me a little bit of respect, because there are some people that have shown him zero respect, and maybe it's a dig at them, perhaps, I don't know. Mm. 
I am interested to know what his focus is this season, though, David Moyes. I don't know if he's he's like literally putting all of his chips on the Europa League because. You know, we're only a few points away from 10th now. I know we've sort of basked in the glory of only being a couple of points away from 5th and 6th in recent times, etc., which is great. But we haven't won this year. We're a few points away now from Wolves, which would be 10th. Anything hovering around 10th and below is a disappointment, I think. I think most of us can agree with that. We've, for some unknown fucking reason, and this will never sit well with me, and he also done this against Arsenal a few years ago as well, he threw the League Cup quarterfinal at Anfield, didn't even give us a fighting chance there, which borderline is unforgivable, especially to those that made the fucking journey up there and got pissed on for 90 minutes. So that was not really a focus, didn't take that seriously, even though it's a cup quarterfinal. We crashed and burned against a lower league opposition in the FA Cup, which was dog shit. So is it a case of... He's going great guns now for the Europa League because if he doesn't win that or 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 get very close to winning it, he was running the risk of an, a, a very disappointing season, isn't he? He is, oh, definitely. And at the end of the day, whatever you think of David Moyes, he's not going to want the season to not end well because there's no benefits in that to him whatsoever. So I assume, you know, without speaking to him, his aim is to finish as high in the league as possible and do well in the in the European trophy. Like he's as you said, he's basically sacrificed both domestic cups um, to do so, um, which. Again, a criticism, one of my biggest criticism of Moyes would be we played a good team against Arsenal in the Cup and we beat them. And then we get to the quarterfinals against Liverpool where we got a chance to do something and he plays a weakened team. I just, I can't get that logic myself, but mm. Mm. We, dealt, we dealt with that at the time, didn't we? So yeah. um, I think. Uh, it's funny actually I'm just literally talking to Cornea literally just popped up on my phone there because um, there's an open training session uh, or an open sort of friendly match at the stadium today um, and uh, between I think the under 21s and a few senior players and someone that's there for me uh, not not there for me sorry there but telling me that's just reported back well, actually I might as well name him it's Spencer you know our good mate Spencer oh yeah um, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah he's just he's just said Cornea's bag two and looks really sharp so, I bet he has. Yeah, so interestingly. Um, but, um, yeah, and so, yeah, I think he's obviously going to be putting a focus on winning that European trophy, but that European trophy is much harder to win than I think. He's maybe giving it credit because, yeah. you know, yeah, we won the Conference League, but as, you know, you look at the standard of competition that's left in the, in the Conference League, in the Europa League, sorry, it is much harder than what the what the Conference League was. I mean, I'm looking at the fixtures now, I'm just about to load them up on the Thursday. Teams still left in the Europa League. Now, obviously, these teams are playing each other, so there's only going to be one out of those two left when we come to draw them. But you've got... Fire Lord v Roma. So either of those teams are tough. You're Galatasaray versus Sparta Prague. Again, no mugs and away day in Galatasaray. Particularly be interesting. Shatter Donetsk. You know, obviously a country full of difficulties at the moment, but um, still a good team. Marseille there. That's that game. You know, Marseille, a good team. Young boys sporting Lisbon. You know, sporting Lisbon, a very strong team. Benfica, Toulouse, Benfica, a good team. Lons, Freiburg. Milan, Rennes, Sporta Prague, Sporta Prague and Carabag. You know, like you can, you take pretty much any one of those teams and it's going to be the better team out of the two because they're going to be the one that's advanced to the next round. It's going to be a tough draw, whoever we get. So it's a big gamble for Moyes to be doing this. Now, as I say, if we end up winning the Europa League, no matter what your opinions are on David Moyes and even if we win it 1-0 every game scraping through horrible performances but we win that trophy you you can't take that away from him a second European trophy win you know getting into the Champions League stuff of dreams and for the board it makes no sense to get rid of him if the outcomes are that even if the way he gets there is not ideal if the outcomes are that you can't you can't get rid of him because he's, he's delivering new ultimate success and for the board that's what they want they're not judged on the style of football they're judged on results as, the, as any business is and um, 
I think maybe Moises, maybe he's confident he can win these trophies, but he's putting a lot of pressure on himself and a lot of pressure on the team. And I'll tell you what, the return to fitness of Lucas Pakatar is so essential yeah. for, the world, for how this season goes because we've missed him massively. When we've got Pakatar, Kudos and Bowen as the front three playing off each other into you know changing moving around etc etc it's, it's exciting to watch and uh, you know I don't care what people say it is exciting to watch that might not be down to David Moyes that's down to the individuals but it is mm-hmm. so the return to fitness of Pakatar and Antonio to give another option I mean it's so crucial to how this season goes um, and we shall see um, once the is fit which I don't mm-hmm. think it's too far off yeah, it's an interesting conversation around the, the priorities left now in this season because, ironically, in the Europa League, it's it's the one competition where we're not predictable, which is, I think, one of the reasons why we've done so well in the Conference League because the opponents that we're coming up against week after week, even though we're a better side than them, they don't know really what to expect from us, I don't think, and vice versa, which is why I think we we, we, we could be quite dangerous and the system can work. But obviously when you're playing the same way week in, week out in the Premier League, you get found out a lot quicker. So it'd be interesting to see how, how much we do progress in the Europa League, but I agree, it's a fucking hard competition to win uh, mm-hmm. at the best of times. Nottingham Forest, I mean, we did touch on it, X, but... um. How do you feel about that? Because we do need to start registering some wins now. Forrest obviously setting into a new manager. They're going to be at home. They're probably going to see this as a game that they should be winning as well. So I don't think it's an easy game, but do you expect us to win this? Do you, are you just hopeful? Where is your mindset at now? <clears throat> it's differing between hopeful and expecting. I think I'm more likely hopeful because I can't judge the team at the moment. The team's so inconsistent, but we we can't lose that game. That you know, if we lose that game, the negativity is really going to start to settle um, and almost get to the point soon where it's unmanageable and they will have to go. So for the sake of him, he's going to have to he's going to have to get a minimum of draw out of that game. You know, we are better than Nottingham. Forest, yes, like you say, they've got a new manager and, you know, they can play quite well at times, but they, they're not the league table is the league table for a reason and it shows that we are a lot higher than them um, and that's because we're a lot better than them in terms of the, the players we've got you know Forrester uh, 15 points behind us looking at the league table so we should we should be able to go there and we should be able to beat them um, whether we will or not I don't know but I really think I, I really hope Antonio's back that game I never thought I'd be putting so much emphasis on him but I think if against his former club you know you can stick him in even for half hour or something that gives us a bit of a boost you've got to reshuffle that defence as well you can't play the same defence that's just conceded six it's just ridiculous you uh, minimum someone like Mavropanos or Bonner has to come into that centre back partnership uh, minimum I think personally I would maybe drop Shafal and put Johnson at right back for a bit of pace and Johnson's been on a bit more form and I'd be tempted to drop both centre backs and put off Bonner and Mavropanos in because they've done quite well together. They were the centre-back partnership when we beat Arsenal 2-0, so I'd be tempted to do that um, and then keep Emerson at left-back and then see and even be tempted possibly to drop the keeper as well and just do a complete revamp of that back line and see where we go because, um, you know, Yes, Ariola's had some really good games, but you know he's conceded six against a team there. Um, and yes, against Manchester United and Fabianski was in goal for was it two of them? Was he? I can't even remember now. Or was it all three? I can't remember off the top of my head. But certainly in goal for some of them. So it's not an easy call. Um, but I would. You've got to. You've got to show to those players that that performance cannot be accepted. And the only yeah. way you can do that is to reshuffle it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I'd love to be a fly on the wall when they come to meet again because I, I don't know where you start if you're David Moyes. I don't know if this is like a, a, a crisis talk as to why that performance was, was that bad, why we just never got out of the traps, why no one looked like they, they cared. You know, it's like that performance and that result, it, 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 that's the sort of game that does spark uh, like an, an open discussion. That's the sort of thing where you get everyone in the gym, you close the doors and you have an open discussion about what the fucking hell is wrong because everyone loses football matches, but that was different yesterday. You know, if you, if, if you showed someone West Ham 
for the first ever time and they watched that game, I think the first thing you'd say is, is the manager's clearly lost the dressing room. They don't, they don't want to play for him. They don't give a fuck. They don't even look like they want to be there. Now, you could argue that isn't the case, but that level of performance deserves fucking hell and off the Richter scale bollocking, but more importantly, a, a proper deep dive investigation. Mm. Well, that's a what he said dive. he's going to do and he's got to do that. He, he he can't come to the table against Nottingham Forest with the same team and the same hope of winning. Is that was that phrase, the, you know, insanity is when you do the same wrong thing over and over again and hope for a different result or something. It's, yeah. it's that, you know, he's got to make changes and I think that's what West Ham fans need to see. If, I, if we hear the team, you know, and you and I are going up on a Friday um, for that game, so we'll be overnight, and probably, hopefully, you might hear the team Friday night, um, and so we'll be able to have longer to digest it than most. And if we see that it's the same team, same formation, immediately there's that negative. Oh, here we go again, feeling to it all. Whereas if he can, if the team ch- has significant changes, maybe even a youngster chucked in there, you know, to ch- spice it up, or you know, Suchek on the bench, maybe. Maybe or a change of captain because I think that wouldn't be a bad option either. And I'll come on to that with the questions later because that is one of the questions. Um, just so, uh, something that shows significant change, you know, maybe like a two up top or you know have Bowen and Kudos back on the wings of Antonio up top if he's fit enough just something significantly different that shows that you're trying something different because if it's the same old stuff and we get beaten again then there's just no excuses for it that a top manager gets given difficult situations and they do their best to tactically and selection wise get out of it so if he makes no effort to change anything then to me he's starting to lose the plot a little bit and if that is the case he'll lose the dressing room which he arguably might have done anyway but he certainly would do by then and then he has no option but to go so this is a big big game for him in my eyes on the back of a 3-0 and a 6-0 defeat the only thing he's got in these defences that they're against arguably with Manchester United but two decent-ish teams now against Nottingham Forest you don't have that excuse you've got to perform against them yeah yeah, absolutely, mate, 100%. Okay, it's that time again. Calling all West Ham fans. Are you a patron of the West Ham way? If not, why not? For the price of a point, you get top quality content on a daily basis to include the famous West Ham way podcast with Dave and X. Over 100 interviews with ex-players and celebrity fans. Mad Dog Bites with Martin Allen a show with Tony Cotty, the U Irons podcast, the West Ham Way USA, a transfer window show with Demis Chef, an expert pre-match analysis. There are virtual events with ex-players, written articles, match day discussion, away day burger reviews, in-depth match reports, and if you want to be the first to get reliable, accurate, exclusive news on all club affairs... You'll get exactly that from the best ITK in the business, ex-West Ham United employee. All that and more delivered to your phone for a fiver a month. It's the daddy. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, Tell them, honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.